When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Chris Perkins, and uh, while well, there is plenty going on in the world of NBA, namely Kyrie Irving setting all the headlines. Well, let's just get stuck straight into this, Chris. A a very good morning to you first. Uh, How are you firstly? And uh, what have you made uh, of all these headlines over in the US with with Brooklyn? Uh, It's the the soap opera to end all soap operas in Brooklyn. And And it's been coming from multiple directions between... You know, Kevin Durant in the summer trying to get Steve Nash fired, which wound up happening this week. Uh, you know, Kyrie tweeting out tweeting out something about a uh, rather controversial documentary uh, that he's now been suspended for uh, for five games. It's just a it's it's a mess in Brooklyn, and uh, I don't even know where to begin with this team. Uh, they're they're not doing all that well. They're what two and Two and five, two and six now on the on the season. It's it's been a horrific start for them. No, two and seven. Excuse me. They lost uh, uh they lost the last two, so they're now two and seven on the year, and, and joint bottom of the Eastern Conference for a team that was thought to be maybe one of the one of the contenders for the Eastern Conference title. So all this off court stuff, it, it's spilling onto the court now, and I don't see it getting any better anytime soon. No, and I think that the one thing that they would look at now is that they've just had all this off-field stuff that is really affecting, you know, them on the field. So, I mean, it's just amazing how all their star players are just embroiled in all these, I wouldn't say they're scandals or anything like that, but just just a lot of off-field drama that is clearly affecting them on the court. I mean, the Steve Nash sacking in itself was sort of like, you know, I don't think it came as a shock because it was brewing, obviously, but... I think the moment oh, yeah. that yeah, I think the moment you start letting it, letting, and this is the saying I use, is that the moment you start letting the prisoners rule the prison, I think you're buggered, aren't you? You're stuffed. Uh, well, yeah, pr- pretty much, and I, it, it, it's 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 like it's not just a prison; it's like an insane asylum there in Brooklyn <laughs> right now. It, every crazy thing that's been happening. Uh, that that could possibly happen with a franchise. It's happening to the Brooklyn Nets, and it's been happening over the court. Well, I, I go back go back a year or so. I remember Kyrie was the guy who adamantly said he was not getting vaccinated. Yep, didn't give a damn what what the laws, what the requirements were to be able to work in the city of New York were. Uh, he wasn't getting vaccinated. He was just going to sit out all the Brooklyn Nets home games last season, and, and he did. Kyrie has always kind of marched to the beat of a much different drummer. So, so you know what what's happened the last few days? That that's just kind of a continuation of it, uh, with with uh, the 
tweeting out that that link or whatever whatever he tweeted out about the that uh, documentary mm-hmm. uh, that the, the, a very controversial documentary. I didn't know anything about this thing. You know, I kind I kind of read up a little bit of it uh, about it. It's like a three hour documentary. A lot of anti-Semitic tropes in it. Yeah. You know things that you know if, if you pay attention to to thing to 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 news and and things that are said out in the public. You, you've heard these tropes before, like the Jews they control the media. It's a Jewish conspiracy. Blah 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 blah. It's a load of crap. But but it, you know the documentary has more of those same anti-Semitic tropes in it. I, it, it's annoying, it, it's ridiculous, it's completely stupid, but the thing is, about this suspension, and this is why I'm torn on it, I, I, Kyrie Irving, he, he, he was, he's, I, I disagree with his, if he holds these viewpoints, that these are, if these are his closely held beliefs, I disagree with them, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you're going down a slippery slope when you're suspending somebody from playing basketball games for their private thoughts. Yeah, exactly. Not actions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a problem. That's that, that that's a very bad road to start going down because yeah. you know, like I was telling you off air, you know, in 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 this country, there is no law against being a racist. There's no law against against being a, a you know about against being anti-Semitic. Right up to the point that you commit an action that harms somebody. That's the line you cannot cross. Words and thoughts are one thing. And, and that's where we're at. We're punishing somebody for their words and thoughts. And I really I get a bad feeling when we start going down that road because what's the next bad thought that's going to get somebody suspended? Yeah, yeah, I think I think it's a fair yeah, it's a fair case you 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 raise, and I think this is the this is the part that, and this is the the road that you go down with with things like this. Is that okay? Well, people are going to have to say what they have to say, and you know, do, do we impart restrictions on that, or do we just let it and lay it out all into the open, you know, into the open sea and let it all out to bear, and then we just get society and us as citizens you know, to decide what's right and what's wrong rather than, you know, getting, you know, governing bodies to decide what's right and what's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's, these are touchy subjects that, that people have to, uh, uh, but the thing is, Chris, and I'm sure you would agree with, with it, is that we just have to face these problems head on. You can't, you can't sweep them under the carpet. And the fact that he's gone forward and shared this documentary or link or whatever it might've been that he shared and, and had these anti-Semitic tropes and remarks behind them. You know, I think when I look mm-hmm. at these things, I say, uh, as much as they're going to hurt a lot of people and, you know, uh, get these things out in the open rather than having people scheme behind closed doors and, you know, come up with silly plots that they might come up with and let, let the masses and let society deem what is right and wrong, you know, because I think what we've done so brilliantly in our neck of the woods, Australia, America and England, is that, We've been able to build up what we have at the moment because of, you know, our, our own sort of thoughts, you know, and, and, you know, what Kyrie has shared, I think is, you know, it's not, it's, it's not right. I don't agree with, with what he said and all that, but, uh, you know, my opinion is invalid mm. in this sort of thing. I mean, I, I'm the mediator here. That's, this is what I do. This is, this is my part of it, but I, I think we need to get these things out in the open, 
let people say what they have to say and then just let society be the judge of it, period. Yeah, I've always been a firm believer in the free and open expression of ideas. Yep. Now, there are good ideas and there are bad ideas Correct. out there. But I've always been supportive of free and open expression of them. You're, you're free to express your opinion. I'm free to express my opinion. I may not like your opinion, but I will defend your right to the death to express that opinion, whatever it may be, okay? Good, bad, or indifferent. If it is ugly, it, it could be the ugliest thing in the world you could possibly say. I'm going to defend your right to say it. I'm not going to defend what you said, but I'm going to defend the fact that you can say it. You're right to say it. And there is a big and, difference. And that's where, that's where yes. I come down here with. Yeah, there's a big difference between those two, and I think that's what we have to understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm not defending Kyrie Irving on what he said. I, I, I don't think it's right that he's being punished for saying something. Okay, whatever his opinion is, put your opinion out there and let each of us judge um, what we think. If, we st- if, if people stop being Kyrie Irving fans over this, so be it. Yep, okay? exactly, exactly. But he's got the right, he's, he's got the right to say it. Yep. Okay. Now, it you know if the if the Nets want to release him from his contract, allow him to become a free agent, say they don't want to be associated with him, that's their that's their prerogative. Correct. Okay. Uh, but but there there is a signed contract between Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets, uh, saying that if they release him, they got to pay him a lot of money. Exactly. So. <laughs> you know, there, there, there's a there's a, there's a cost to the Nets for that. Uh, the NBA's kind of stepped in and said, uh, or no, the Nets have actually come in, have actually done this. This is the NBA who did this. This is the Nets saying they they suspended him. Uh, yeah, that that means they're trying not to pay him. Yeah, yeah because exactly. of things that he said. Well, yeah. However, however harmful or idiotic or you know, pick pick your pick your adjective. Those words may be. He's got the right to say them. If you don't want him around, release him. Yep. And okay. Pay, just and, get rid and, of him. And pay the money. It's as as as, as simple as that. Mm-hmm. So, look. I mean, the alternative to it is, you know, go out there, play basketball, and and shut your gob, basically. And you know, I think that's a sentiment that a lot of people have as well. And I think that's understandable too. But you know, at the end of the day, people are going to say what they have to say. So. Look, Brooklyn are in a world of bother at the moment. Uh, it doesn't seem to be like it's going to it's going to end uh, anytime soon. But uh, they, they just need to start fixing things up off the field uh, and start getting back into form on the field. Uh, any more final thoughts on on this scenario, or should we move on, Chris? Uh, I, I, I'm just hoping there's no more news. We we know there's going to be one more bit of news come out from the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, here probably pretty soon, and it's when they hire their new coach. I mean, the last I haven't heard anything anything more, but it's going to be Ime Yodoka, and you know the back pages of the New York tabloids are going to go nuts <laughs> the moment he is officially hired. They've already gone nuts with the fact that they are they're about to hire Ime Yodoka as their head coach. Uh, of course, uh, Udoka was suspended by the Boston Celtics. Yes, not for his words. For his violation of company policy, and I'm going to try to put this as delicately as I can, uh, he was caught uh, dipping his pen in the company's inkwell. 
That's uh, that's one of the first times I've ever heard that analogy. But uh, the listeners out there on the overnight crowd, use your imagination as to what Ime Aduka did with a with a Boston Celtics staffer. So. Yeah, it's the con- yes. the controversy seems to to not be escaping Brooklyn at the moment. But uh, anyway, it's like they're court- please escaping. They're trying. It's almost like they're courting it. <laughs> they're welcoming it with open like, arms. Bring it on! Oh God, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a strange world we live in, isn't it? And mate, this is this is why these lines are open. This is why SCN exists because we discuss. We discuss things like this, whether they're good, bad, horrible, or indifferent. This, this is what it's all about. So, uh, uh, let's move on, yeah, shall we? I'll, I'll let. Oh, go on, go on. You were going to say. Yeah, this is this this is talkback radio gold right here. Absolutely. These are the these are the things you guys live for, and, and guys like me who who enjoy talking about this as a hobby. These are things we live for. Yep. Be, because you know this, this fills the airwaves. People listen. And radio stations make money off of this. That's, so, that's, that's you know, exactly great. Right. More controversy. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Shocking all sales. Uh, we've got a text just off the line for you, uh, Chris, from Kerry Mining in Kalgoorlie. Yes. He said, ask Chris why the Knicks always suck. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Two words, James Dolan. There you go. <laughs> Elaborate, please. James Dolan is a horrific. He is a horrific owner. Okay, uh, he he meddles. He gets way too involved in in uh, basketball decisions when he doesn't know the first thing about running a basketball team beyond beyond depositing the checks that are given to him. Um, yeah, he 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 gets too involved in player personnel and coaching decisions. Uh, and he, he, he just needs to be hands off and let basketball people run the basketball operation. I, uh, I completely agree with, with those sentiments. I think Stephen, I think didn't Stephen A call him a child earlier this year? I've got a feeling he may have, and I think that, that might be a good way of, uh, of defining it, uh, I think, but, uh, let's Stephen A. Stephen A. has said many things about James Dolan, <laughs> few of them flattering. Yes, definitely, definitely. All right, let's uh, let's take a break, Chris. Uh, well, I think we've gone through all the controversy and all the all the interesting topics off the field. Uh, what shall we come up with uh, after the break? Shall we go down? Uh, shall we go down the World Series path? So are, are you saying you don't want to talk about Joshua Primo and the San Antonio Spurs? Oh no! Too? Oh yes! No! Oh geez! How can I? For, oh my God! How can I forget? See, this is why we. This is why you call in because you you keep me on tabs, even though it's <laughs> even though it's uh, quarter past two in the morning here in Melbourne Town. But uh, this is why we've got you on. But yes, let's go over Joshua Primo and uh, and the uh, and the Spurs. Oh, really? Oh, okay, I, I guess we will, and and then we're and then when we get into talking football, we're going to have to talk about the Washington Commanders and Dan Snyder maybe selling the team. Yes, and, and oh by the way, the feds are the feds are investigating him as well. Oh, there's a lot of off field stuff. There's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, story last week: San Antonio Spurs released their their lottery pick from last year, uh, from 2021. Joshua Primo. Uh, the, he and the Spurs are now being sued by a uh, former clinical psychologist for the team, uh, alleging that uh, the organization ignored her, re- this is a quote here, ignored her repeated reports of indecent exposure by Joshua Primo. Uh, 
yeah. That, 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 that is not a good story. N- no, not by any stretch of the imagination. It, it just it just sounds, uh, you just scratch your head at these things. You know, I, really, um, uh, I, the, now, now the attorney involved, the, the, it's the, the plaintiff's attorney involved, his name's Tony Busby. You may remember that name because he's representing the women who sued Deshaun Watson. Oh, there we go. Yes. Those were the Cleveland Browns. Those horrible, oh, it was those horrible, it was a sexual assault allegations, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. That's where the name rings the bell. Okay. Right, right. Yep. But yeah, reading, reading through this story here, um, uh, I'm, I'm pulling this back up here. Yeah, apparently, um, I, apparently, according to the lawsuit, there were multiple instances mm. where, where Primo exposed himself to this woman, and there's been allegations of him exposing himself to to another couple of women. A police Good. report's going to be filed. The the Spurs are vehemently denying the allegations. Okay. Uh, and uh, in fact, are look. Uh, you read through some of this stuff, uh, they're playing a hardball uh, against the, the uh, psychologist in question. So mm-hmm. um, the, this one's going to be a mess before it, it gets a lot better. Yeah, it would it would seem that way, wouldn't it? I mean, always, and, and you know, from, from what I've always been taught, it's always innocent until proven guilty. But, uh, I mean, just the fact that yeah. these stories are doing the rounds with these organizations, it just – it just never paints anyone or anything in a good light until until names are, are cleared. And then, you know, from then on in, everyone, you know, people are going to have their say on these particular situations. From my perspective, I prefer never to fire from the hip in these type of things because you just, you know, they're just such such serious topics and such serious allegations that, you know, need to you need to tread with caution on these things. Yeah, and, and the, the initial allegations in a lawsuit – I, you have to remember, uh, the, these are allegations that are being, the, being made. There's nothing been proven, and, and they sound salacious, but you always have to take a step back and be careful uh, whenever you read these and just let, let, let the process play itself out. But if these allegations are true, holy crap, wow. the Spurs are in the, the Spurs are in it about neck deep. Yeah, exactly right. Yep, in in deep doo doo to uh, to put it uh, to put it bluntly. Yeah, I think yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, yes. Well, we, I mean, we've had all this NBA on field stuff go on. I mean, Milwaukee's flying, and uh, well, let, let, let's 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 end the NBA segment here on on a good note. That the Bucks are just going, they're just going great guns at the moment. Seven and zip. Giannis looks like he's, you know, uh, back in scintillating form again. His body seems real right at the moment. And uh, I think the Bucks, are, you know, for, for all this off-field, for all the off-field dramas that are going on, I, I think it's taken away from the limelight of, of the Milwaukee Bucks that should be shining upon them at the moment. Yeah, and one thing I've noticed, you know, about the NBA just in general this year Scoring looks like it is up this year. Oh, big time. Okay. Every team is averaging over 100 points this year. I mean, the, the lowest the lowest scoring team, from what I see, is the L.A. Clippers. They're averaging 101 points a game so far this year. That You, you don't see a lot of that. You, you, I, haven't, I, don't, I don't think you see a lot of these where everybody's averaging 100 points in a season or – yeah. Uh, so yeah, scoring I think is up a little bit. 
you've got teams averaging, in fact, you've got Cleveland's averaging 117 points. Indiana, you know, for the fact they're in 11th place in the, in the Eastern Conference, they're averaging 118 points a game. You've got New Orleans averaging 118, Phoenix 118. Uh, Golden State, they're 12th in the West, which that's a shock. They're 3-6. and six. But they're averaging 118 points a game. So you you got a lot of point, a lot of really exciting basketball. Milwaukee at seven and zero, Cleveland's right behind them, right on their heels at six and one. I it, it's been a great start to the basketball season on the court. We can just get this off the court crap out of the out of the news. It it it'd be something great to watch every night. Absolutely, I think uh, you, you summed that up uh, summed that up perfectly, Chris. Uh, all right. Let's take a break uh, on the overnight crowd. On the other side of the break, uh, sh- shall we get into some some World Series, Major League Baseball? There was a big result, uh, yeah. big result overnight. Yeah, uh, good game last night. Let's talk baseball next. Beautiful, done. Uh, you're listening to the overnight crowd here on SEN, your home of sport. Chris Perkins, our US sports correspondent, he is going to stick around as we delve into this World Series of Major League Baseball between the Astros. And the Phillies. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to the Overnight Crowd. to the overnight crowd. Yes, it is the overnight crowd here on SEN, your home of sport crystal clear through the SEN app, of course, and through your digital radio dials. Paul Sebastiani here in the SEN studios with you. We've got about just over half an hour left of the overnight crowd. We're delving into all things US sport. We had a big chat about all the off-field dramas happening in the NBA with our U.S. sports correspondent, Mr. Chris Perk- Perkins. And uh, he's uh, he's holding the line. He's uh, We're going to go through this next segment. Uh, it's World Series uh, Baseball, Major League Baseball, between the Houston Astros and the Philadelphia Phillies. The Astros now taking a 3-2 lead in the series. And, uh, well, Chris, uh, what did you make of, of Game 5? Hey, the lesson here is, remember after Game 3, the video we saw, uh, of Phillies fans talking smack to Mattress Mac? Yes. Uh, well, I, I think Phillies fans are, are, are quickly learning. You talk, to, you talk smack to Mattress Mac, you get jacked. <laughs> love it. Absolutely love it. Because they've now lost two in a row. It's, it's funny, it's funny they, how they've it works, isn't it? lost two in a row. They've got – yeah, they and the Phillies – in the last two games combined, have scored two runs and gotten six hits. All of them, of course, last night because they got no hit on uh, <laughs> on Wednesday in in games in game four. So, uh, yeah, it, it's been kind of a dry spell for for the uh, for the Phillies. Now, last night's game it it was probably the best game of the series. Okay, it's the first time we had a game where a team didn't jump out to a five nothing lead in this entire series. Because remember game one, Houston did it, but Philly yep. came back. Uh, Houston did it again in game two. Philly did it in game three. Houston did it in game four. Last night was uh, 
Well, it wasn't necessarily a back-and-forth affair where each team had a lead. It was close, and it was the first pitcher's duel we've really had in this series because, uh, you know, Noah Syndergaard, he, he started well. He did take the loss. Uh, he pitched three pretty good innings, but, you know, gave up a, a, a quick run in the first inning. I mean, Altuve led off the game with a double to right center, uh, then advanced to third on a fielding area. Jeremy Pena singled him in, made it one nothing. Phillies right around. Bottom of the first inning, leadoff hitter. Kyle Schwarber gets them gets them a hit, and he gets them a run. He hit a home run to lead off uh, the first inning. The 26th leadoff home run in World Series history, and the first by a Phillies, by a Phillies player to do that. So that tied the game. And Verlander, he he was good, but he man, he got out of trouble a couple of times. Uh, bottom of the second, uh, two out rally for the for the Phillies. Uh, Verlander got the first two outs. It looked like it was going to be a quiet inning. Uh, then he um, then uh, Gene Segura singled the left. Uh, Verlander gave up back to back walks. And then he wound up striking out Reese Hoskins to end the inning and leaving the bases loaded. That was the Phillies' opportunity to maybe blow the game open, and they didn't take it against Justin Verlander. He winds up getting the win. He goes five innings. His first career World Series win. Um, in in his ninth career World Series start, he finally gets a winning, uh, gets gets a win in a World Series game. So good for him. Now Houston, three two up. Uh, travel day today, game six is tomorrow night in Houston, and the Astros have two chances to win the win their second World Series in five years. Yep, exactly right, and uh, they're in the plum position to do so. Uh, we've got uh, just a text coming in uh, off the line uh, at the moment. Mm-hmm. I think it might be from, I think it's from Kerry. Yeah, it's from uh, Kerry Mining in Kalgoorlie. He said, as I had a look at who the pitchers are in tonight's game six, if Phillies win, who would be? The game seven starters. I think from what I'm looking at here, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Chris. I'm just looking at the Astros uh, website. It looks like Framber Valdez and Zach Wheeler will be the starting pitchers for both sides. I think. Yeah, they'll they'll be the starters for game six. Uh, there's been no announcement made on who will be the game seven starter if we go to a game seven. Yep. I'm looking back here because you can kind of figure it out. Uh, from the from from pre from earlier in the series, you, you look back at the game three starters, and that was uh, Ranger Suarez and Lance McCullers. They would be in line to start a game seven because they'd be on normal rest. Uh, maybe there's a possibility uh, the Phillies go with Aaron Nola, who took the loss in game four, trot him out on three days rest. Uh, that that's the way it used to be. Uh, you, you'd run out pitchers on three days rest um, in, in a playoff series or in a World Series. Uh, managers have kind of gotten away from that in the last 20 years where they, they, they want to run players out on, on normal rest, which is four days. So you, you'd look back at the game-free starters. I'd say right now I'd, I'd lean toward Ranger Suarez and Lance McCullers, but with Game 7, anything is possible. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think. Look, I mean, from from my perspective and what what I look at, I mean, and, and I'm no expert in, in analysing Major League Baseball or anything, but I think that that two and zip postseason record for Framber Valdez and that that one point four two ERA. I mean, it, it just 
it's hard to wrestle away winning momentum from these, you know, pitchers who are able to start and and start strongly for the team as well. And I think Houston as well. Mm. And I know yesterday we sort of spoke about momentum and bringing that into games as well. And and you also mentioned too, and this is this is spot on as well, is that losing that momentum is can be so easy. But the way Houston were able to keep up that winning momentum, and now they get the plum opportunity mm. in front of their home crowds. In front, you know, in front of the home crowd, in front of a ground that they know so well, it, it just for, for me, I, it just looks so hard for Philadelphia to to regain any of the any of the momentum away from home now, and I think they're going to need something drastic for for it to change heading into heading into Texas tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, Houston Houston's got the advantage because they've got two chances. They lose tomorrow night, game six. Okay, so we got Sunday, game seven. Okay, uh, Philly has to win both of these to win the World Series. So that is a really tough prospect to do to go on the road and and win both to clinch a series. We've seen it happen plenty of times in in baseball, in, in hockey, and basketball, where where you go on the road, win those last two games, or where where you're you're down three two, but you come back and, and win those last two games. Baseball is unique because they do a 2-3-2 format, so you've got games 6 and 7 in the same place. Hockey and basketball, they, they don't do that. 6 and 7 are in, in each building. So, you know, baseball is a little unique in, in, in their format. So, yeah, it's, it's really going to be tough, but it has happened before, and Philly has won a game in Houston in this series. So it wouldn't surprise me to see them come out game 6, and wind up winning, winning it and forcing that game seven. It, it's been that close of a series uh, between these two teams. The, the Astros have only outscored the, the Phillies by one run over, the, over these first five games. So it, it's a close series between two pretty evenly matched teams. Yep, exactly right. And, and now this is it. This, this is do or die for, for, for both teams here as yep. it stands. Uh, now, a, a couple of uh, – about half an hour ago – uh, about half an hour uh, ago, uh, Brett called in uh, and he wanted to ask you, Chris, about uh, Bryce Harper, who's lining up as one of the Philadelphia batters against Framber Valdez uh, in in uh, in in, uh, ga- in game six. Just wanted to get his uh, his opinion on uh, or your opinion on uh, on Bryce Harper. He, a great player, yeah. and uh, let me pull up his, let me pull up his stats real quick. He he's been hurt all year. Uh, now, he's been able to play. He has an elbow injury. He hasn't been able to play in the field, but thankfully, because the uh, National League now has a designated hitter for the first time, uh, he he doesn't have to play in the field, which really fortunate for the Phillies that that, that rule was put in for this year because otherwise, you know, Bryce Harper wouldn't have been in the lineup this entire season with, with his injury. But um, pulling, up his, pulling up his stats real quick, uh, if I can find postseason, there we go. Uh, his his postseason stats this year. Uh, he's batting three seventy three. He's slugging seven ninety seven. Slugging percentage. Uh, it, it gives more weight to extra base hits. Okay. Um, yep. So, you know, a, a slugging percentage around eight hundred. That is an excellent slugging percentage. Uh, six home runs, thirteen RBIs in the postseason this year. Uh, 22 hits, seven doubles, uh, six walks, hit by a pitch, 
Uh, he's been he's been kind of an all or uh, somewhat of an all or nothing because he does, he has struck out twelve times in the playoffs. But you know that that happens with the power hitter. Uh, overall, he's been excellent for for the Phillies, and he's he he's been one of their shining stars. And he's had a he he's had a number of clutch at bats. Uh, you remember in the uh, I think it was the championship series, National League Championship Series, eighth inning home run uh, that sent them on to the World Series. Uh, he, he's had some clutch moments in, in this postseason. And if the Phillies wind up winning the series, don't be a bit surprised that, that Bryce Harper goes like seven for 10 these last two games and just goes absolutely nuts at the plate. Don't be a bit surprised if that happens. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll keep tabs on that. Okay. So, uh, after all that analysis and after going through all that, what, what happens in, in game six? Is it a case of Astros win, it's all done, Phillies win, we go to game seven, what happens? Well, here, here's, what to, here's what to watch for. Uh, if the Astros jump out early, okay, it's over. If the Astros get three or four runs early in, this, in, in game six tomorrow night, uh, the party's going to start. Because I don't see the Phillies coming back. Uh, if the Astros jump out in front, uh, the the crowd will be too jacked. The players will be too jacked, and, and I just I don't see the Phillies making a comeback against the bullpen. All right, uh, the the Astros bullpen has just been so excellent this postseason. Um, if the Phillies are going to have a chance to force a game seven, they have got to get to the starters. Okay, they they can't they they're they're going to have to get to uh, the the game six starter who who is that who, who uh, Valdez Valdez yeah Framber Valdez is the starting the, uh, yeah, starting yeah Framber Valdez yep. they're 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 gonna have to get to Valdez okay they're go- the Phillies are gonna have to jump out get three or four runs on Valdez and then expect Zach Wheeler and a pretty good Phillies bullpen to hold that lead if it's Houston with a lead and we get to the sixth inning and the Astros are are in the bullpen. The Phillies are in trouble. Okay, there we go. Love it, love it, love it, love it. Uh, that's uh, that's a wrap for the World Series. Uh, game six coming up to us at, uh, well, our time. It's going to be uh, 11 a.m. Uh, Melbourne time over here in Australia. So uh, looking forward to, to seeing exactly what happens there. But, uh, Chris, uh, after the break, shall we delve into, uh, shall we delve into NFL? Yeah, let's talk the Thursday night game. It wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Yeah, it wasn't, yes. It was Houston versus Philadelphia, but from a, an American football perspective. Let's take a break here on the overnight crowd, and then after the break, we'll get stuck into that game between the Texans and the Eagles, and then we'll get into the rest of the NFL round coming to us this weekend. You're listening to the overnight crowd here on SEN. We're going to wrap it up after this break. Listening to the overnight crowd. Yes, it is the overnight crowd here on SEN, your home of sport. Crystal clear through the SEN app, of course, and through your digital radio dials. Paul Sebastiani in the studio with you. We've got our final hour of the program, or our final 10 minutes of the program. Chris Perkins, our US sports correspondent. 
is joining us on the line to chat things NFL. Now, we had a game uh, which came to us yesterday between the Houston Texans and the Philadelphia Eagles. It was the uh, it was the Eagles winning 29 to 17. Yalen Hurts just continuing his very strong run to season 2022-2023. Chris, uh, how did you see this game play out? I think yesterday you sort of mentioned that the line was around about, you know, I think Philly were the 14-point favorites, but you, you probably just, you said you had to tread carefully around that, and, and you were you were vindicated in that opinion. Yeah, I, I stayed away from I saw this more as a backdoor cover for, for Houston. Now, instead, it was Philly never never at one point had this game covered. They, they never jumped out to that 14-plus point lead. They, they were pretty well in control of it. Yeah, Houston marched down the field, got a touchdown on their first drive. Philly answered right back with an 18-play, 91-yard drive in their first series. So, so you had a lot of good ball control offense for both teams, and the Eagles really just weren't in control of, of, of the game. I mean, Jalen Hurts, he wasn't spectacular. He was just solid, 21-27, 243, two touchdowns. Davis Mills, not a great game, 154 passing yards couple of touchdowns, but a couple of really, really bad interceptions that he threw. One one was he, he just kind of threw it up a, on a hope and a prayer, and the prayer was not answered. Uh, but yeah, Houston, they're, they're rebuilding. They're 1-6-1 they're and one now. They're looking at a really high draft pick, and they've got a ton of, of draft picks over the next two years. They've got 22 draft picks. In over the course of the next two drafts. That's more than any other team has in the NFL. So if they hit on a lot of these draft picks, especially the early round picks, they're going to be a good team here in a few years. But it's just a struggle for them right now. Yeah, I think I think, and and the fact of the matter is that they know exactly as an organization where they are at, bundling up all these picks together for the next two seasons. And you know, obviously they they're looking to take. It's going to be short term pain. For long-term game, in in their view, but uh, Eagles look—they go yep. from they go from strength to strength, uh, eight and zip, and uh, you know they they move on and uh, they, they head up now a a very yep. very strong uh, a very strong uh, area of their you know fr- from their perspective. They, I don't think they can you know they've taken the NFC East by by charge, leading it obviously by their two games clear of of the Cowboys. But uh, speaking of NFC East, the Jets and Bills. Uh, go head to head. The Jets uh, outsiders in this game, but uh, you know the, the, the Bills' offense. We know how dangerous it is, clearly. But uh, you know the Jets at home at MetLife. You know, are, are they a sneaky hope in this game? Uh, yeah, if they can keep it close, if their defense, which has been pretty good this year, if they can keep the Bills in check, uh, and it's a close game in the fourth quarter, they they've got a shot. Now if the Bills' offense does. What the Bills' offense has done to everybody else this year, pretty much, uh, the Jets will get the doors blown off. But <laughs> there's always a chance. And once you get on the field, you know, anything's possible. Once you get on that field, you'll, you'll have games where a, a team that's a, a, a decided underdog can, can you know, sneak up and, and get a win on, a, on an elite team. That phrase, any given Sunday, it always applies. <laughs> There, there's always a possibility once you get on the field um, for whatever reason. So we'll see. I expect the Bills to win. 
the line is, I don't know what the line is offhand. I think it was around about uh, nine or so okay. points. It was around that. I think it was around nine or so yeah. points. Yeah, it's 11 and a half, okay. actually. Buffalo's an 11 and a half point favorite. Uh, I'm a little nervous about that because if the Jets' offense plays better than they did last week, I think they can keep this thing close. So I'm, I'm nervous taking the Bills laying the 11 and a half. So I, I may just pass on that game. Okay, interesting. Okay, well, uh, now, moving along, and we know we're, we're previewing the on-field stuff, but uh, I think this has just been the this has just been the flavor of uh, of of, uh, of the final hour of the show. What's going on in the world of the Washington Commanders at the moment? Uh, Mister Snyder well, getting up to a little bit of mischief, is he? Well, I mean, he's been up to a lot of mischief. He's been under investigation by the league, by Congress. Uh, now he's under investigation by the feds. The uh, U.S. Attorney's Office in the Eastern District of Virginia. Uh, announced they have opened an investigation into financial improprieties. And I think it is related to a story that came out several months ago about how he was cooking the books uh, regarding uh, ticket revenue. Okay. Very intriguing. Uh, That that has to be shared by the – that has to be shared with the, the NFL. Apparently, you know, football revenue is being shown as like concert revenue, concert ticket revenue, which doesn't have to be shared. So it, it, it's it's uh, it's a bit of a mess there in Washington. And, and at the same time, almost at the exact same time, a, a story came out that uh, the Snyders ha- have uh, retained Bank of America securities to explore uh, sale options for the team. Now, not necessarily selling the whole franchise but maybe looking for minority owners because Dan Snyder has been adamant saying he will never sell the Washington Commanders okay uh, no matter you know no matter what kind of pressure he gets and, and there's pressure from from other owners we heard Jim Ursay the owner of the Colts say recently there there might be movement on forcing Dan Snyder to sell the franchise so yeah, it's a mess there in Washington. It all, you know, stems back from uh, I mean, some of the investigations he's, you know, he the this team's been under uh, workplace harassment, uh, a, a hostile work environment, particularly for women in, in the uh, Washington Commanders' uh, offices. Uh, it, yeah, it's it's just another mess. It's as much a soap opera as what's going on with the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, it's uh, a, a chaotic at, uh, at without the, the anti-Semitism. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly right, exactly right. Uh, the Commanders playing the Vikings uh, Monday morning here, Melbourne time at at five a.m. Uh, we've got a couple of minutes until we wrap up, Chris. But I think one of the more intriguing games of the weekend would it would have to be the Buccaneers coming up against the Rams, three and five Tampa Bay. Three and four Los Angeles Rams. What happens in this game? Two teams trying to save their season. Uh, let, let's see how Brady is. How focused is Brady? Now that he's officially divorced, uh, does he have that? He, he's not going to have that that distraction in, in in the back of his head. Let's see how, see if Tampa Tom plays like the Tampa Tom of old and, and just plays with that chip on his shoulder. 
and, and just goes nuts the back half of the season. It, you know, it starts this weekend against against the LA Rams, uh, a team that in their own right is trying to save their season. Under 500, falling behind the division. Uh, they, they're looking up at San Francisco and Seattle in, in that division. So, yeah, yeah, the, these are two desperate teams that are going to be meeting up on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. As it currently stands, Tampa Bay, the, the three-point favorite in that game. The Rams are outsiders in that one. And as you said, both teams trying to trying to hold on and, and save their save their seasons. Uh, all right, uh, we're coming up towards the end of the, uh, the overnight crowd. Chris Perkins, our U.S. sports correspondent, joining us to chat all things U.S. sports. Have you got any other, any other insight into the NFL or any other things you want to have a chat about? About before before we head off, some college sports, maybe some college games that we can follow. Did you, have Georgia and Tennessee played each and, other yet? No, they played tomorrow. Game yes. of the year in okay. college football. Yep, Tennessee at Georgia, number one Tennessee, number three Georgia between the hedges. Three thirty p.m. U.S. Eastern time. That prime slot on CBS. It's the biggest. It's being billed as the biggest game in decades between these two. And oh, by the way, the SEC has another uh, another uh, headlining game tomorrow night in Death Valley and Baton Rouge when LSU plays host to Alabama. LSU is number ten in the country. Alabama number six in the rankings. Two great SEC games coming up tomorrow. So if you're not if you're not around college football. Get around these two games, especially that Tennessee-Georgia game, because you were going to see fireworks. And I really want to see what Tennessee's offense, which has been electric all year, can do against the Georgia defense, which has been just a stone wall against everybody. It's going to be crazy. It's it's uh, it's eight and zip coming up against eight and zip, number one versus number three. It's, it's a movable object meets unstoppable force by by the looks of it, and just before yep. we let you go, uh, I'm just looking at the average ticket prices for this game. I think the average ticket price I'm looking at here, uh, $398 uh, for a ticket to this game. Uh, and it's saying here that, according to Vivid Seats, uh, the cheapest ticket still available uh, is $568, while the seats on the 50-yard line are going for more than 3200 US. Crazy. That sounds about right for a for a, a game between number one and number three in the regular season. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that sounds about right. Put these two in the playoffs, you'd probably see those numbers uh, with another zero behind them. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, Chris. Uh, we're gonna have to let you go there, but uh, mate, it's a pleasure talking to you as usual, and I'm I'm looking forward to wrapping up what's going to be a huge weekend of of US sports, NFL. Major League Baseball, World Series, college sports, it's uh, its all happening, NBA as well. Looking forward to, to chatting to you uh, on the airways very soon, my friend. Wall-to-wall all weekend, and we'll recap as much as we can in an hour on Monday. Absolutely. Beautiful. Great stuff. Chris Perkins joining us from the U.S. of A to chat all things U.S. sports. We're coming up to an end here on the Overnight Crowd. It's been a pleasure uh, sharing the airways with you, with you tonight. Uh, big, big, big day at Flemington coming up. SEN Track is going to be taking over the 1116 uh, airwaves, the SEN airwaves across the country. So make sure you tune into that. The final day of the Flemington Spring Racing Carnival. 
Australia's T20 hopes will be decided tonight at the SCG when Sri Lanka faces England. Australia needing Sri Lanka to get the job done over England. It'll be a big upset if it does happen, but stranger things have happened in the world of sport, especially T20 cricket. This has been the overnight crowd for another night. It's Saturday, the 5th of November. If you have a punt at Flemington today, good luck, Amber, responsibly, of course. Bye for now. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.